Film Reach presents Verbal Masturbation with Bryson Jim. This week we are chatting with the writer and director of Rice Boy Sleeps, Mr. Anthony Shim. Welcome, Anthony. How you doing? I'm very good. That, that was an awesome intro. <laughs> you know, we, we, the first one we did, it kind of shocked the person, and we're like, okay, we got something here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is great. <laughs> so welcome all the way from Vancouver, and uh, we could not be happier to be talking to you today as your film will be playing at our favorite festival, Calgary International Film Fest. Uh, but usually what we do when we like to break in directors on our show, we like to play a little game called or. Okay. So I'm going to ask you a question, this or that, so that our listeners get to know a little bit about you before we start talking about you and your movie. So being as how you're from BC, is it Canucks or the Lions? Uh, <laughs> neither. <laughs> that is also a fair question. <laughs> You're the only person in the plethora of people that we've interviewed that has ever said neither. But that's yeah. I, I'm happy that we, that you are our first. We've broken you in. Okay. Grizzlies. Grizzlies. My answer is Grizzlies. There oh, that's go. that's actually the right answer. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Bong Joon Ho, or Park Chan Wook. Oh, why, why, why would you do this to me? Because hard, Bryce right? and I, Bryce and I fight each other about this question. Oh, so we're Jesus. trying to decide who's who's actually more right, me or him. Like, are you asking me to choose like their filmography? No, nope, like, it's them just as that or that. It could be because oh, one's better looking in your mind. It could be because one, you know, is uh, is got more wives than the other. Whatever the or is oh, for you, man. you have to make a decision, and you can't say oh. both. I, I, oh man, that's so tough. Isn't it? Um, old, old Boy is like hands out my favorite that's, film of all time. It's awesome. That's Brace's favorite movie too. Yeah. Um, But Memories of Murder, I think is like just one of the greatest films ever made. And also Mother, I love so much. <laughs> uh, oh man, this is so hard. Isn't it? Um, I'm gonna go with you can do it they oh, won't be offended that's so oh man um like by like the slightest slightest margin um um fuck bong joon bong joon no 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 all right no. it's okay no, you're you safe it. it's done uh, i win oh that's so hard <laughs> Okay. Park Chan Wook. This one's going to be easier for you, though. Hot pot or barbecue? Oh, come on. Barbecue. Let's go. There you go. There you go. See, I know we'd follow up the tough one with an easy one. Yeah. Horror or sci fi? Um, horror. Okay. That's also the right answer um, <laughs> for our podcast. And then the last one Japan. Or Mongolia? What the fuck kind of question is that? I know, right? Japan 
Mongolia. Um, oh man, you're gonna get me in trouble. No, uh, it's perfect. You know, there's a lot of lot of Korea Japan uh, tension. I know. That's why. Always. <laughs> that's why oh, I that's... asked both because they both had they both had uh, issues for Korea in the past. So yeah. it's kind of a good one to choose. And it could be the food. It could be the culture. It could be how cold you like to be. Could be whether or not you um, like tsunamis or not. That's so. Oh man, this is the worst question, actually. I'm gonna. You know what? Can I can I explain my answer? Yes, of course. It, it's you, man. It's all you. Just to you know, just to try to create peace around the world. I want to say Japan mainly because of my undying love for Hirokazu Koreeda. Oh, nice. That that he is my second favorite director of all time. That, that he's pretty good. He's number two for me, and not number not number one. two in the bad way. Number yeah. two in my second favorite. Who's number one, Jim? He's curious. Oh, it's David Cronenberg, because I'm I'm Canadian, so that's not that's not a bad number one. Yeah, I know. Body horror. It's, it's all right. It's a thing. Mm -hmm. So, uh, <laughs> how do things go at TIFF? Uh, amazing. Yeah. It was, it was, uh, it was life changing. It, yeah, really was life changing. My my career, my. My professional career and my personal life, just everything just changed drastically. And the film was really well received. Um, I won the platform prize, which I never, which I didn't actually think I would win. Congratulations. Um, thank you. So it was so surreal and exhausting and, and uh, overwhelming, but um, it's, it's incredible. The, the, the people at TIFF could not have been kinder and more generous to me and my film. So it's great. Well, it's apparently that uh, it's worth the praise, right? So if, if right? I mean, these are the things you've now got to start getting used to in your... I in suppose. Your, as a second <laughs> film, right? Yeah. Uh, I noticed in watching your film Daughter, because I watched that, I hadn't seen it before, mm -hmm. that you used uh, Canadian currency. And in Rice Boy Sleeps, you also kept it in Canada. And we, mm -hmm. we watch a ton of films, and mm -hmm. a lot of Canadian directors spend a lot of time trying to pretend they're in another country. So first off, right. kudos to you for making Canadian content, keeping it in Canada. Is this something yep. important to you? Is this all conscious decisions for you? Yeah, I mean, the story took place in Canada in my mind and on paper, so it didn't, you know, because it, it did come up, you know, with daughter whether we would want to use american currency or not and, and i just thought well why are we i mean they are two different countries after all and i just didn't think that well it just didn't make sense to me yeah this is yeah this is canada so let's use canadian currency and and we're shooting in vancouver let's play vancouver as vancouver let's not try to like hide signs or hide license plates let's just play because yep. this story could take very well take place in vancouver so why not and um and then with, with rice boy sleeps it was like it's based on my childhood and i grew up in bc yeah so it didn't make sense for me to try and you know make it be you know uh, you know uh, seattle or something right yeah well that's good you know it's true though I, i'm glad to see that i'm i'm glad that that like you can't consider it any other way it's like people have this assumption that americans don't want to watch movies about other 
English-speaking culture, mm-hmm. right? And we mm-hmm. already saw a Parasite made a difference finally in the rest of the world that they see Korean yeah. <laughs> cinema as something that's amazing that we've known on Film Rage all our lives, right? So, yeah, yeah kudos to you, Ed. That's, that's a, uh, we appreciate that because it, it, to me, it's, it, we, we should be proud of Canadians and Canadian directors like yourself. So, yeah, thanks for that. Yeah, and, you know, if I make a film that takes place, if I write a script that takes place in America, I'll sh- go shoot it in America. And, you know, whether, and same with, like, South Korea or anywhere else in the world. But, it, you know, if I'm, if I'm going to continue to make films in Vancouver, I'm going to set it in Vancouver. Yep. Nice. Because we have so much to, you know, that's visually, uh, um, uh, uh, visually cinematic. Yeah. Oh, um, and, Probably and the so, most beautiful city in the world, so. Yeah, there's a reason why so many people come shoot stuff up here, so. Yeah. It just seems crazy not to. I, I personally think that they should call it Vancouver South when they're talking about Hollywood, as opposed to <laughs> <laughs> Vancouver is Hollywood North. Yeah. That, that's my opinion, yeah. but. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you've now written and directed two pretty heavy dramas. Is this your preference, or do you see yourself making different types of films in the future? Um, I, I, I definitely will be exploring other genres, I suppose. Um, I'd like to, Yep. I, you know, I, I, when I, when I started writing Rice Boy Sleeves, I was writing what I hoped would be a, a comedy with some heart, you know, heartfelt moments. Right. Um, and then throughout the drafts, it landed where it landed. And, and honestly, I... I didn't think it was as heavy or as sad as people <laughs> are taking it. I, you know, everyone's like, oh, my God, like, I was crying, like, so much. And, and Oh, I'm going to talk more about that later yeah. in our interview. <laughs> I'm going, like, uh, you know, I'd ask my producers, I'm like, I didn't think it was, like, did you guys think it was going to be this sad? And I'm like, I, I never thought this movie was like that. Um, so, you know, it was my, there's my intention and there's what the actual final product turns out to be so um the hope is that i will make things that um touch on other genres and and you know i, I suppose they might end up being heavier at, you know a lot of times because i am drawn to subject matter um that is relevant to uh, uh, the, the, the the human experience things that are challenging going on in our in society nowadays so I don't know if I if I see some really funny good news on TV that I want I get excited about then maybe I'll write lighter stuff. But <laughs> for right now, yeah, for right now that's kind of what I where I'm at. But you know, like I I really love comedy. Like I want to I've been wanting to write a you know like a, a a love story for a while. I've been messing around with that, and I you know I, I've I've written to some comedy stuff that never got made. But you know there's definitely to me, comedy drama—it's just like it's just a thin line. It like is, it's yeah, yeah. One or the other—it's just—it's so similar. The so best just, dramas have so much humor in them. Yeah, yeah. To exactly. break the tension, right? To break the tension. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, you'll get you'll get that comedy I, I, if you can direct drama that well, right? That that thin line you'll cross over. Eventually, mm-hmm. you'll make that same movie, but it'll be funny instead of <laughs> the, one of the most dramatic films ever made. So do you yeah. find that? <laughs> Do you find that a little shocking that sometimes you write something down, you film it, you think it's going to be received in a certain way, and 
a majority of the audience sees it completely maybe different than what you maybe intended, but it's still okay that it's that they received it that way? Yeah, I mean, there's an idea of what I'd like the audience to feel and think from, you know, certain bits of the film. But at the end of the day, you know, how one perceives it is just, it's entirely up to them. It's their subjective experience. So, you know, I, I, I just try to accept it as it comes. You know, for example, there's, there's a scene fairly early in the film that involves a teacher and suggesting certain things. And I wrote that because I thought it was funny. <laughs> is that because you just, lived it? You felt it was funny now in hindsight? Probably, but, you know, I just thought it was so absurd in right. hindsight. So... I go like, oh, it's just kind of like absurd scene where she's suggesting these names and then it transit, you know, cuts to the next scene, which also I thought was quite funny. And so I was trying to keep it all fairly light, you know, and then there's a scene also where um, the protagonist is touched in an appropriate way at her, at her work. You know, I thought that was funny, like not, not, not the part where he, the guy does the action, but yeah. her, her yeah. reaction. Yeah. You know, of like, you know, I grew up with my own mother and, and, and I, certain, you know, aunts of mine are pretty tough, tough ladies. And, yeah. and you know, like that kind of, when they behave in a certain way and say certain things, I, I think it's funny, you know. <laughs> it, and so, yeah, once again, it's like there's, there, there's, a, there's, a kind of, there's a certain response that I'd like to have and uh, sometimes I go for it and, and it just doesn't quite land that way. But, you know. <laughs> <laughs> as long as it doesn't take away from the viewing experience, then no, absolutely, then that's fine. It definitely didn't. It added to it for sure. So the casting in this, first off, the the actors were amazing, and I, I thought you did a really good job of, and I I apologize if I mispronounce it, but Dong Hyun's character as the younger one and the older one, it's not very often you see. A transition like that that the character seems so natural sometimes like we've seen other movies where it's like okay that kid no there's no way that person is that person but they had similar mannerisms they had a similar look to them so you did a really amazing job there and uh with Choi saying you like that's isn't that her first role she's ever done it was her first audition she'd ever done wow. what how did you find her and where did she come from she was amazing yeah, she, it was not an easy find. It took months of active searching across North America, all through Korea. Um, and I just couldn't find the right actor for the role. It was, you know, it was just, it, it, was, it had to be so specific when it came to look, age, um, ability to speak Korean and English, just the right amount of both. Um, someone who could play a believable young mother and an older mother as well um, and, and and have that right kind of sensitivity and, and vulnerability while she can still kick ass if she needed to. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we had a really difficult time finding someone. And at one point I was, I was discouraged enough that I thought I might not be able to make this film. Wow. And, um, and we just kept searching and then, our casting director in Korea, she said, you know, I, 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 I know this dancer. She, I saw her in this documentary about dancers that Yoon had made. And, and she goes, I think you should see her. She's, she's 
not an actress, but I think she could be. And there's something about it that's really special. What have I got to lose? And so they sent a tape over and it was just, boom, that's it. I don't want to, I really don't want to cast someone who's never acted before, but I, w I think we've got to take a chance on it because it was just, she was just so right. And, and of course I was, and, and of course through the whole shoot, she was amazing. And, 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 and her performance in the final product is, is, is what it is because yeah. she was so right for the part. And same with um, Noel, yeah. our, our little one. Yeah. First first acting job ever. He's not even an actor. <laughs> <laughs> he is now. Yeah, he is now. He's, oh, yeah. Yeah, the, the, it was, oh, man, incredible. You did a great job in that. Well, your your team did. That that was fantastic. Yeah, we, we just got so lucky finding these, these incredible human beings that could portray these characters with so much depth and honesty. Yeah. Oh, good writing. Very lucky. Good writing helps, I think. I try. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, so you act, you direct, you you write. Uh, do you have a preference, or you just love them all? Um, Whatever pays you money. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Keeps the roof over the head. Yeah, I love whatever on. I'm whatever I'm not doing at that time. I suppose. Um, I've been an actor my whole life, pretty much, and. I'll always love acting. I, I love the craft of acting. I despise the, the the career of an actor for me just because it was filled with so much rejection and waiting and and so many pointless, you know, auditions and whatever else I would do. But I, I, but I love the actual act of doing that job. And, um, but I, you know, writing and directing is, I think one of the most special things that one could do with his or her life. Um, it's it's an incredible process. It's a, I mean, if you're fortunate enough to do it, it's it's just such a huge um, privilege. And so I, I I I will I would like to do that for as long as people allow me to. Nice. Well, we're happy that you continue. That's for sure. Now, in doing research on you. Um, there's like nothing about you online. Like, is this intentional? <laughs> I like, was gonna say. I was gonna say. Like, what research? There's nothing. Very you long There's literally nothing yeah. about. Like, you go on IMDb. I search. You search Mr. Google and friends, yeah. and and there's like literally nothing about you. I was like, is this intentional? Yeah. Like, do you not want yes. anybody to worship you from afar, like we do here on Film Rage, or <laughs> or is or is it like you're just too busy doing all these things that you don't have time to go online and make a good bio under Wikipedia? <laughs> Ah, you know, I just figure I'll let the work speak for itself. My bio is not that interesting. So I don't know about that. If I'm if just, Rice Boy Sleeps is, yeah. is, is, so, <laughs> is telling your story a little bit. Yeah. Well, I mean, let's, yeah, I, yeah, I try to tell my, my, you know, my bio through a film like this. Um, I'm just, I'm just, a, I was just a theater nerd. Um, that's all I did. I spent my adult, you know, my late teenage years and my 20s in, in black box theaters. I, really, that's the majority of my time spent doing theater and, um, and, and writing and directing, producing stage stuff. Um, and, and yeah, I kind of have this fear of having information about me online. 
Okay, and, from and like you're afraid online? of what people are gonna do with it or what? I don't know. I just I guess I really value my privacy and Okay. Um, well, that's, I've never that's wanted respectful. to voluntarily put my information out there. Yeah. Well certainly you're not gonna post your your mailing address and, and your phone number, but <laughs> No, no, but I mean, there's just so many ways that people can get a hold of a public person nowadays. Yeah. So yeah. it's like, a, I don't need to go out of my way to make myself more available. <laughs> right. Um, and yeah, I, I, I don't know. I kind of like the idea of just kind of being a, an, an unknown figure <laughs> Fair in enough. the world of the web. The, the, the dark brooding figure in the corner. That's you, That's Andrew. <laughs> All right, so we've touched on this a few times. If Rice Boy Sleeps, obviously a very personal film for you. How did writing this differ from your first feature, Daughter? Well, the difference was when I was writing Daughter, it was an exercise. I wrote it as a, I wrote it as a one-act play that I wanted to develop with like one of my producing partners, Brian Demore, mm. and and. Uh, yeah, I, I, I was just trying to get better as a writer and I just started writing this thing that I just felt like was an easy two-hander that I could put up and then once I finished writing this sort of like 60-page piece, um, we just kind of looked at it because I'd, I'd been wanting to make a film for a while and we just looked at it and we thought, well, we could raise a little bit of money, write a few more pages and just shoot it and then and then let's just see if I can actually write, direct and edit something together that... that has a cohesive middle, uh, beginning, middle, and an end. And so we did that. And it was that sort of kind of just like a spontaneous in a way. And um, we got my friends together. A lot of, it was just a lot of friends and family getting together, borrowing some locations, and we shot it in 12 days. And it was insane. But it was like, it was all, like, it was with, this kind of attitude of like it's an exercise mm -hmm. to see if it would work and then it that somehow ended up being my first film um and then i thought oh okay that gave me like just enough confidence to go okay let's like really try and make a movie let's set like actually have the intention of writing a script that i'm going to shoot um and so i just kind of blocked everything else out and just got to writing and it was a painful, painful experience because I think any, when you do anything creative, it's, a, it's important to have a sense of freedom and an ease. It was, it, this was not easy and there was nothing freeing about it. It was, it just, I, I had this like pressure on me that I, you know, that was largely put on myself mm. of I'm going to make a movie and I'm going to make it be good. You know, and that's a terrible <laughs> pressure. pressure to put on yourself when you're writing something. Um, but, you know, I, I wrote it fairly fast. I wrote it, in, you know, in just a few months. And and I guess there was enough working about it that we were able to secure some financing quite early on. And and, uh, and then the rest is just was the process of making a movie. I mean, it's... It's got to be somewhat different. I mean, your process was obviously very different between the two, mm -hmm. but you in, in in father because I don't know. Are you a father now, personally? I'm not. Okay, no. so you're reading it from a perspective of you know something you don't personally know. But this mm -hmm. this for Rice Boy, it was like 
this is like almost you, right? It's kind of the experiences that you grew up with. That must have been yep. just in the journey in itself must have been mm -hmm. hard for you. It was, it was uncomfortable at times. It was scary at times, but it was also beautiful and cathartic a lot of the times because it, it forced me to think about my own identity, you know, the way I've treated myself and treated others and my relationship with my parents, um, my relationship to my racial identity, um, my cultural identity. And it, it invited a, just a lot of great, difficult conversations with my family and my mother. Um, so it was, you know, it, it was life-changing. It was really life-changing working on this film. That's, that's good. I mean, you could you could feel it from the characters, right? Like, mm -hmm. these were characters that you had experience with. As you mentioned already about <laughs> some of the things that you found comedic, right? But yeah. uh, <laughs> we talked a little bit about this earlier, but um, you've put, you literally put your pedal to the metal with the amount of heavy emotions in this film uh, from having a super powerful mom to sexism at work to racism to dealing with suicide and death and dying how how like you know these are things that not everybody had not some people haven't even seen one and we've seen movies where they'll have one of those lines right. to get through in a movie you put so much dread into a movie. By the way, we love dread on this podcast. So, like, your comment earlier, like, by the time I got to halfway through the movie, I was in so love with the dread, but I was literally crying from halfway through the movie to the entire end and going through different levels of crying. You know, how does somebody, how does a family deal with all of that, that stress and, 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 and I guess last go better word dread. I don't. Don't all families? Go, go no, through. not everybody deals. Not <laughs> I've uh, unfortunately. Well, fortunately or unfortunately, I haven't had to deal with racism. Yeah. But so I mean, that's a big one in itself. Some people haven't had suicide to deal with in their life. You know, right. like these are. This is big, big topics, and you did it so well. I mean, I just feel like it's all such a big part. It's all part of life, and whether it. You know whether one's experienced it at an early age or a later at a later age I, I do think it's i mean everything that happens in the film it's all pretty common stuff i find um some of it's happened to me personally some of it's happened to people around me um but at the same time i didn't want to give too much emphasis on just like i didn't want to show these characters as like being victims of these things right but just so like this was just a part of life yeah you know yeah, I got bullied. I got teased quite a bit. Um, but I was I don't consider myself a victim of racism. Um, I, you know, while I experienced racist situations, you know, I guess really what I was trying to say is, I, you know, this is just part of the upbringing. And it, and it informed and shaped who I eventually became as an adult. Um, and it's that journey that, that I was more curious about exploring opposed to like, you know, the, the impact of how difficult life was for, you know, immigrants at that time. It was difficult, but like life is difficult for non-immigrants as well. Um, and so, I don't know. I, 
this yeah it's like it's like people have been saying this thing, saying these things now to me and, and it's making me you know think oh maybe it is a lot of heavy stuff but i never tried to do it with a heavy hand yeah um, yeah yeah just it, but it, it i think because you mm-hmm. the characters you developed were so well developed like you did such a good job of crafting these characters that we fell in love with so early and just carried through with them it's like every time something bad happens to them it's like mm-hmm. we feel it more do you know what i mean like there's a difference between when you see it, a really badly developed character <laughs> something bad happens to him in a in let's say somebody else's terrible movie and then something happens to them you're kind of like okay whatever right but I, I think that goes to say about you can take this journey with this person because we're already invested in them right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that was the hope. Yeah, um, yeah, you did. And try to try to see. The, yeah, that was try and try and see the. You know, go on these journey with these characters and see where they end up. And ultimately, you know, they do overcome all all these things. Yeah. Um, Let's talk yeah. about endings for you. Yeah. Um, there's not very many directors who can write perfect endings. So far, you've I've only seen two of your films, and both of them had perfect endings. Ah, so thank you. Yeah, no, like, literally, we, I don't even want to tell you how many movies we watch a week on average. (laughs) Like, we seriously watch a ton of movies. And I would say at least 15% of the time we see a film, the ending can destroy the entire movie. But you just, Mm -hmm. you put an ending and a cap on this, on Rice Boy, that it was just the only way you could have done it. So, is do when you I know you kind of already said it that you you want to make sure it's got all three pieces to the film, but um, did you do you spend extra time on that ending to say yeah that is it that's the perfect ending? Um, I had a lot of different endings. There, there's been very many variations of that, but then once that's story that she tells Simon, the character Simon, when that made it into the script, and when I realized the characters would end up where they end up physically at the, by the end of the movie, I thought, oh, that's that's what it is. That it ha- and then I wrote it, and I wrote this like really like beautiful narration over it, and, and we did this table read, and all my friends went like, amazing ending cut that narration <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> they're like it was like cut the narration and you've got a beautiful ending and i was like you know like when you're re- t- typing and reading yeah. you're like you know you, you it's hard to know like is this enough like is is this gonna vis- just having a visual is it gonna give the yes. audience you know the the impact that i want them to have and and, and my team all went like, no, just leave that. Yes. That's the last, that's the last image that we need to see of them. I think and sometimes so, directors yeah. put like, they like think that the audience isn't smart enough to sometimes see their vision. So yeah, I'm mm-hmm. kudos to you for taking influence and in, in creating that perfect ending. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, well, so do we. Uh, how was it to go to Korea for the final act of this film? Like, was was that something that you had dreamed up from the beginning, or was it like as the film opened up, it was kind of just flowed flowed there? Or? Well, the idea from the from day one was that I'd write. I wanted to make a story about a mother and son who are immigrants in Canada who ultimately go back to their hometown or to their homeland, um, 
So that town, all the Korea stuff where it's Shaw, that's actually where my grandfather's from. That he was born what? and raised there. And wow. so that town is inhabited by all my relatives wow. still to this day. That's so cool. Um, yeah, and that you know that, that mountain and the and the the gravesite that's my great grandfather's, um, and so I had gone there as a kid. I I went there back in '99 and um, 2004 um, as a as a young man, and you know I had a similar sort of emotional experience. And so the idea was to go back to that part of the world. Um, and so when I went and did, did uh, location scouting there and um, I took a bunch of pictures, I sent them back and everyone just went like, oh, wow, like we got to go and shoot there. Um, but then the actual logistics of doing that during a pandemic was was very difficult. It almost didn't happen many times. Wow. Um, we almost couldn't get our film cameras. Uh, uh, over there and and we had a we had a digital camera on standby just like a day before we went to camera so Whoa. it was all very difficult but but it all worked out um, yeah, yeah making a film is stressful to begin with but yeah the fact that you're trying to do it during a pandemic that must have been that must have been hard it was i don't ever want to do that again um if there's another pandemic as bad as it was i'll just wait yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll wait it out <laughs> it was that hard it's just you have so many things going against you when you're trying to make a film especially when it's a lower budget film yeah um when you have no when you have no contingency money for having to get shut down for two weeks yeah and so like essentially if you get shut down because of covid like it was like for us it's like well i now need to like make a new movie <laughs> that i have to rewrite the script and make Get another you. movie that allows me to shoot it in the time and money we have and so with that kind of pressure is to add that on it was it's 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 the risk is too great but we we got lucky a gazillion times it was like no exaggeration this took multiple miracles to get to this point wow like I, yeah, I can't imagine. And it's it's funny, you're not the only person that said that about the pandemic. It's just like, yeah. well, obviously somebody somebody up there or down there, wherever you believe, up or down, <laughs> they wanted that film to be made. So it's, it's yeah, kudos. Yeah, I mean, I, I one day, I like, I want to get a bunch of filmmakers together and just, just talk to them about, like, so how did you do it during the pandemic? Like, what did you go through? What was it like for you? Like, yeah. I'm just so curious. Like, yeah. I know what it was like for us. And I'm going, like, how the hell is everyone else doing this? Yeah. Like, just because it seemed so impossible. You should, because um, you're so close, just walk down to the VIF offices and just say to them, why don't you do a panel discussion? I mean, you got must have about 20 directors <laughs> sitting around in Vancouver right now. Let's do a yeah, panel that, discussion on it. We should. That's actually not a bad idea. Right? We should have a panel about fil like being low-budget indie yeah. filmmakers yeah. during the pandemic. Yeah. You, you got Viv's number, right? Just call them. <laughs> yeah, I know a couple of people there I could call. Yeah, yeah there you go. that's good. I, I wanna, we might show up to that panel and <laughs> ask yeah. some more tougher <laughs> questions. <laughs> so... Uh, your dialogue in this was so real and natural. I just got to say, 
and it's interesting because now you're you're the you know what renaissance man you can pretty much do everything it do you see you're going to continue to do the whole writing and directing or can you see yourself at one point spending more time on either directing or or writing and how would how would that feel like how do you think it would feel to be because you are a writer also be a writer and have someone else direct your stuff or directs because you haven't done this yet that i know of directed somebody else's work i am very open to directing other people's work and i'm quite familiar with that process because i did so much theater yes and i was doing pre-existing material and so and plus i i was i've been a i was an acting teacher for a long time and so when when teaching acting classes i was using all plays primarily plays and so i've read thousands of plays and i'm just so like i've i've grown very accustomed to taking pre-existing written material and then having your own interpretation of it so that is a process that i really really love and miss frankly um and so there's been conversations about me possibly doing things that i i'm not writing myself in because as a writer I do feel my limitations um, and it's such a lengthy process to write. And so because I love filming and I love directing, I, I, I could very well see myself doing stuff I didn't write, but I don't think I'll write stuff that other people direct um, because if I don't want to direct it, it's probably because it's not very good. <laughs> And I don't want something bad out there that I've written. And, and then if it's actually good, then I don't want to give that away. Like I, yeah. I don't blame you. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah, I mean, the, the way I've been describing it is like, if there's a story that I'm passionate about, I'm in. And however I can be of service to that, that's what I'll do. Yeah. I get so it. So I'm not too like, too, too strict about like having to do this and that. But it's it's interesting because your your commentary certainly around that was more from a direct from an actor's standpoint, where it's like, oh yeah, I've done so many of this, but as an actor, you haven't necessarily had to have that experience of having the writer <laughs> at your heels while you're doing the direction, right? Well, no, no, I like directing theater. Yeah, yeah, no. Oh, okay. So yeah. also directing theater. Gotcha. Yeah, okay, I yeah. did. You know, I've directed about a dozen plays, and you know, they're they were not plays okay. I wrote. Oh, good. And, so and were the writers that, still alive, or are they like films that are a couple of them? A couple of them. Were they know, at your biting at them. your heels, or no, no? It, it, I I don't think I would do it if I felt like the writer was someone who was going to be biting at my heels. I, mm. I, I'd have to feel like we're partners in this process. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I we you know I have to be a I have to be respectful to that person and vice versa. Otherwise, why would I do it? Yeah, well, yeah. Money, well, but. Well, yeah, money, money, that, that, that's the yeah. one, right? And obviously, to write it and direct it takes a heck of a lot more time, right? Yeah, yeah, it does. But I think that the thing that's so beautiful about writing and directing is, like, you can see it with the work that's out there, the great writer-directors out there. You see their work, and you're like, that is undeniably that individual's piece of work. Um, and so... I, I mean, I'd like to do as much of that as possible. I'll do it until I feel like I've like run out. I've like maxed out my writing ability. <laughs> nice. So, uh, what's next for Rice Boy Sleeps? Any more festivals on the horizon, or? 
there's a lot of festivals on the horizon. Yeah. Um, ones that I can not tell us talk about. about. Not yet. Right. Okay, I, fair. There's fair. a couple that I can talk about. Um, we'll be at after Viv. We're going to uh, Busan in South Korea. Oh wow! For our South, uh, international premiere. Are you going? I will be going. Yeah. Nice. Um, I have a the, the city of Busan has a special place in my heart, um, so I'll definitely be going and spend some time there. Are you taking and a then, train to Busan? <laughs> no, not me. Uh, some of the other other producers are. No, no train for me. I've taken that train many times, and no zombies. <laughs> Just, nice. Yeah, just just snacks. <laughs> um, yeah. So you're going to Busan? Where else? And then there's uh, the film's going to be at Sudbury next or whenever that's happening. It's also playing at it'll be playing at Windsor, oh. and we'll be at um, the Real Asian Film Festival in Toronto. And uh, what else can I? Say? I think that's about as that you're allowed to say. say. Yeah. Can you say Fair how enough. many others that you're not allowed to say? Like 72 others that I can't say. Not 72, but there's, there's a handful. At least 70. So far. <laughs> At least, 71. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Now, you mentioned that TIFF is now going to open doors. Is it also other than the actual, the actual getting more festivals? But is it in what other way has that helped to open more doors for you? Or changed your career's direction? Oh, I mean, the number of people that have found out about this film in in, um, in the states. Ah. You know, I've I've, I've an agent now um, in LA. Nice. Um, I'm speaking with management companies, there's production companies that I've I've been speaking with. Um, so it's whether I, you know, I don't know what direction I'm going to go in, but. Um, I've spent my whole career in complete darkness, absolute uh, in obscurity, uh, just doing these little projects by myself with no one knowing, and then no one really even caring about it after the fact. Uh, uh, now it feels like, oh, there's other people that could be of some help in the, you know in getting things made. So uh, it's exciting. Um, I, I, yeah, we'll see. I, I have no idea. This is all so new, but. It, it has opened a lot of doors that whether I take them or not, that, you know, they've presented themselves. So Sounds like there may be a Wikipedia page in your future then. Somebody made one actually recently. Are I, they? Think. <laughs> I think, yeah. I think somebody very recently made a Wikipedia page and I was like, ah, damn it. I, I, my privacy is broken. <laughs> nice. Awesome. So um, that kind of, we have one more question for you. For our formal yeah. um, questions for you. Do you have anything else now in the works? Or are you just now still too busy and focused on this project that you haven't had time to start planning your next project? Well, I have been writing quite a bit. Um, well, at least prior to the TIFF announcements, there was a, there's a, you know, there's a couple of months that I had where we're just kind of waiting. Um, and I was losing my mind at a rapid pace that... I figured I should probably devote some of my energy into uh, the next film in case nothing comes out of this and I'm back to square one. Um, and so I just started writing a little while ago and unfortunately I haven't been able to do much writing the last few weeks 
Um, but yeah, there is something in the works that I that I'm I'm feeling pretty passionate about. Um, <laughs> so funny. It, it has to do. It's inspired by it, what inspired this film was uh, a lot of these these um, horrible random acts of violence towards Asian Americans during the pandemic era and Canadians actually and Canadians as, as well. Um, and you know, while I was making rice for sleeves, I would read about these these things that were happening, and I just it was really hard to not feel something. It was really hard to just. Yep. forget about them yep and just imagining you know my mother who's in her 60s you know i have a little sister and, and her baby who now live in you know northern california in the states like you know it just feels so so personal and it just it felt like such an immediate threat to to me and my family that i thought you know if i have i try to write other i try to write a love story i try to write a comedy and you know and it's it's coming back to heavy gas yeah. pedal on the drama. <laughs> oh god! If you know, if I if I if I'm privileged enough to be able to make another film, I feel like I have to touch on this on this thing that it seems to be such a such an important issue to address address in today's society. Um, and so, I don't know. I tried to like write a comedy about it, and it wasn't <laughs> going so well. <laughs> it still so comes I, up sounding like yeah. dread. <laughs> yeah. You just have a natural spin. <laughs> we'll see. I'm trying to make it as entertaining as possible while not trying to make light of Yeah. Events. I mean that's that's um, a tough balance, right? Yeah, and it's funny, yeah. well maybe not funny that you say that, but I have a really, really good friend of mine who personally was victimized twice during the pandemic. Yeah, she's uh Chinese and she's in her mid fifties. And one time she was spit on and the other time somebody literally cold cocked her in the face and then said, why don't you go back to your country? And she was born here. So it's like, I'm sorry. Like, yeah, yeah, I I want you to make that movie. (laughs) I I really want you to make that movie. It's important. There's so so many, so many examples of those types of things that are going on in North America, you know, even now. And, like how do you you know the challenge right now is like you put those two instances just what you described you put that into a movie and that's so heavy mm-hmm. yeah and that like that is heavy enough that you could you could carry the rest of the movie just on that one event um but so yeah right now i guess i'm just trying to gather as much info as i can and and carve a story that doesn't that doesn't just like drag the audience through 2 hours of absolute racism hell <laughs> but that it's you know it does you know say something bigger yeah more nuanced yeah, than, yeah. than just uh, um violence towards asian people well i'm i'm sure what you'll write the perfect ending for it because so far you're two out of two oh, pressure's on yeah that's oh, right wow. no more pressure oh, on wow. you but oh god this next one's gonna have the worst ending possible and i'm gonna blame you for it you're gonna call you out that's right we're gonna we are called film rage so if it's terrible we're gonna tell you so you know it has been a great pleasure to have you on we really can't thank you enough now is there anything that we either haven't talked about or we haven't asked you or something that you want to leave our listeners with a message or or any words of wisdom from anthony from all the way from vancouver or as we say the northern part of Hollywood South? You know, it's, I find, 
um, Asian communities in Canada who I feel like are the target demographic for this film. I mean, I think it's it's universal enough that everyone can enjoy it, but you know, the people that I feel like would really, really feel things on a deeper level are the Asian immigrant communities in North America. But a lot of them, especially of the older generation, they don't really go out to the movies that much and they're not very, well, they're not really in touch, in tune with film festivals. So I feel like a lot of those people, a lot of those communities just don't get a chance to see this film during the festival circuit. So if there's any way that anyone who's listening to this, anyone who's a, aware of this movie playing in Calgary or any other city in, in, in Canada these next couple months, please just try to just share the word with the, the Asian Canadian communities and encourage people to see it and, um, and, if, and, and hopefully it, it can allow them to feel like there's a film that's made that represents them, that is about them, that honors them. And, uh, and if you don't like it, you can write nasty words on my Instagram page. And what is that Instagram page? Are you going to share it with, with our listeners? Um, hold on, i got to look it up. I forget what it is. <laughs> That's okay. I, I, I kind of expected it. It's, Oh, it's at Anthony Shim. There you go. It's so um, hard to remember. Yeah, that's a, that's literally the hardest one for people to remember. There's no hyphen or dot or. <laughs> no, no, nothing. Is, I recently you... put, made my fourth post. I, I'm still learning. I, I actually, I think we followed you, so I I was noticing oh, cool. that. You, you need to get some, that. This is what's going to help get you more watchers of the film is by posting a fifth or a sixth post on your Instagram. It's so time consuming. Instagram <laughs> takes up so much time and energy. Yeah, it's true. It, it, well, it Twitter's like, worse, by the yeah. way. So if you're on Twitter. Oh, I don't even, I don't go near that. that just <laughs> you and me both, mister. Yeah. That seems like a dangerous way to spend your day. So. <laughs> well, again, thanks. Thanks so much for being on our show. And, and thank you guys. Yeah. And where is this where is this film playing in Calgary here? Ah, Jim? well let me tell you. So if you have not bought tickets yet, because this is this show's being broadcast. What day is this? Twenty <laughs> <laughs> we're hitting festival season, so we're gonna be not sleeping much. So it's now the twenty second. Uh, Rice Boy Sleeps is gonna be playing at SIF on September twenty seventh at four thirty PM at Eau Claire Market in Cineplex and September thirtieth at eight PM at Eau Claire Cinemas as well. So for anybody listening and you haven't bought tickets, Buy this them. is yeah, this is a must see for anybody, be them Korean or non-Korean. So, um, again, thank you. Uh, find us on social media at uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Film Rage YYC. Check out everything Film Rage at filmrageyyc.com. Please comment, like, and subscribe, and send us an email to filmragecalgary at gmail.com. This has been a very very special episode of verbal masturbation during SIF Calgary, where you can find out everything at SIF at SIFCalgary.com. Until next time, rage on. Rage on. <laughs> <laughs>